What's up, everybody? Super Greek checking in. We had George Tsitsoni on to talk about his new book, Achieving the Impossible. You already know, Euro 2004, Greece's fairy tale run to the cup. Um, we had a great conversation about it on top of some behind the scenes stuff, some never heard before content, so keep your eye out for that. Additionally, I have a little something sum for you. In the description of this YouTube video, there is a link. That link is to the ebook of Achieving the Impossible. Click on the link, put in the, the promo code SUPERGREEK, all caps, one word, SUPERGREEK, and for you, 25% off, because SUPERGREEK, you know, we do boss business, we put on for the squad, and we gotta help out, you know, help out the customers for this book and support the book as best we can. So 25% off that's my gift to you uh please continue to like subscribe follow us spread the word because you know super greek we're here to stay we're making moves so thank you so much and enjoy the content i'm here with a very special guest george tutsonis um we are here for a couple reasons to talk about the euro 2004 book that's coming out achieving the impossible and talk about you know some fond memories and you know whatever else comes our way so uh george introduce yourself yeah, so um, first of all, thank you for, uh, for inviting me here tonight. I'm um, real excited to, to speak about the book. And, you know, one of our, I guess, most favorite uh, sporting experiences being Greek. You know, of course, uh, I don't think anything beats Euro 2004. I've been a lifelong soccer fan. Um, kind of seen it all as far as Greek soccer goes over the years. Uh, just uh, looking forward to talking about Euro 2004 because it's definitely a period of time that I, you know, remember fondly, as I'm sure, everybody that listens to this and has followed the Greek game uh, during their lifetime does as well. Well, let's start there because uh, I know I run Super Greek on Twitter and yes. uh, we, we've I got my start basically, you know, throwing, throwing back all the highlights and, you oh, know, yeah. getting people excited. Uh, I'm 25 years old. I was born in 1995. I'm also from New England, from the U.S. <laughs> So as an eight-year-old, um, you're limited with some of the, you know, sports and TV that you have access to, especially when, yeah. so my mother's from Greece, my father's from the U.S., more of an American football fan. If you yeah. were to watch any sports, he's not much of like a huge sports fan in general. So what I'm getting at is um, I'm on the flip side where I learned about it after the fact. I did not yeah. actually experience it. Right, so right. I'm going to live vicariously through you tonight. All right. Um, we're rolling in throwbacks. It's all throwbacks. We're going to get you through coronavirus and quarantine. <laughs> a little bit of nostalgia. So I think just for starters, how did this kind of come about? Was it kind of like your pipe dream to write a book or did someone approach you? How did it kind of come about? Yes, nobody approached me. I'm a relatively unknown author. So we'll start with that. But I've been writing as a freelancer for the better part of 20 years. Um, and always focused on Greek football um, and sports. Um, and I guess uh, about three years ago, um, I was just doing some, you know, random researching into the history of Greek soccer and whatnot. And, you know, just doing some stuff on the internet, reading some books that I had. And I was like, man, there is literally so few articles, so, so little coverage of just this unbelievable sporting achievement. Um, and, you know, and so I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna look a little bit further into it, delve into it a little bit more, just kind of as a hobby really to start um and one thing led to another and literally one afternoon i was like you know what i'm gonna see if i can start taking some notes down and, and maybe putting something together here and um yeah one thing led to another the notes started to pile up you know all over the um you know my desk area dining room table whatever and um yeah from there on you know we just i just kept going with it chapter by chapter 
Um, after you, a few you chapters, present, did you, sorry, not to interrupt, did you present no. it to some, like a publisher or was, how did yeah, this Yeah, so um, just doing a little bit of research. I had never done anything like that before yeah. uh, to that level. So I'd written some longer articles or whatnot, but nothing to the extent of a book. Um, so most, um, when you, when you send something in to be considered, it's usually, a, it needs to be about three chapters. So I was like, you know what, I'll do three chapters. We'll see what happens, you know? So I sent it out to about 10 or 12, uh, sports publishers, mostly in the UK. Um, you know, there's a good thriving like football market, uh, for books there. Yeah, um, yeah. and, um, you know, I was like, you know, let's just see what happens. Um, so as generally happens in, in, in these types of situations, especially from somebody that's, you know, not a really well-known writer. Um, you know, I got a couple of replies back, which were, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Um, yeah. A couple of people were like, okay, this is a little too niche for us, you know, so, you know, all very nice. I, I, I certainly appreciated the feedback. Um, some people didn't respond at all, which, which happens as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, what happened was somebody that I actually sent the, um, a publisher that I sent the um, idea to in a few chapters, um, who had said that it was a little too niche, uh, actually passed it along to this kind of boutique uh, football books uh, publisher from Australia called Fair yeah. Play Publishing. And they had just kind of gotten going really. Um, you know, they had only been in, in um, business for about two years, yeah. um, but they had already produced a few books and stuff like that. And um, uh, the editor, Bonita uh, Merciades, um, she's married to a Greek guy, so that I think might have helped my case a little bit. Um, yeah. But uh, she got back to me and said that she was interested and um, it just seemed like a good fit. And I was, you know, I was just happy that somebody really was, you know, um, interested in the project. So I was like, okay, this, this, this will work, I think. And it's been, it's been a joy. This, they've been a great publisher to work with. They specifically produce just um, soccer books. Um, so, and that's just been always my passion. So it's just, it's Love been that. an awesome fit really from the start. And no, no surprise, England was not trying to, you know, further bring light <laughs> to Euro 2004. Not, they, right, right, not right. surprised at all. So as you know, you're going through this process, um, what was, what was kind of your end goal in terms of, I feel like when, when you're writing through something, you want it to evoke some form of emotion, some form of reaction out of the people that are consuming your work. What, what was kind of, as you're writing this, obviously, like for our community, it's a huge deal. Uh, the yeah. first English-based book for Euro 2004. Um, right. what, what was kind of your end goal of like, I want people to feel like this? Um, there's a couple different things. One was in the articles that are available in the, um, with a coverage that you can see about Euro 2004 and Greece's win, it is overwhelmingly negative. It is purely focused on the style of play um, and even when you're just focused on the style of play, and I'm not going to sit here and say Greece played free-flowing football and, you know, but I think it's even unfair in the characterization of how they played. If you really watch the games, which I've watched the games many, many times, um, you will see a team that is certainly robust in defense, um, focused on that defensive solidity. However, when they get the ball, they're really trying to get forward. You know, they're really trying to spring counterattacks. They're really trying to, to move the ball quickly up the field and, and create opportunities. Now, they didn't create tons of chances in a lot of these games. However, if you, if you watch them back, you'll see that, I think you'll see that they are much more attacking than they're giving credit for. Again, absolutely. they're more defensive than, you know, and I'm trying to like, you know, um, trying to convince people otherwise, but I think they really got a raw deal. If you look at the coverage of Greece's group stage matches, it's for the most part pretty positive and not a lot of talk about dour football and, yeah. you know, um, 
just, you know, awful sort of style of play. They beat France, and all of a sudden the narrative seems to change, you know. Um, now they're beating teams that, you know, they're supposed to lose to, and, and you know, um, major sides are going out of the tournament, and there seems to be a need for an explanation of why this is happening. So yeah. it's, of course, they're playing, you know, defensive football. Yeah. Um, but I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. And, um, and, I, and I was just kind of upset whenever I kind of would see this, um, you know, it kind of hit, hit a spot in me, and I was just like, I, I don't like – how this is being portrayed. Yeah. And I guess my goal was, I just wanted to tell the story. You know, yeah. I wanted to tell the story of how this team came together, of the process of which it was just a ragtag group of some pretty talented players, but very- um, The sum of their parts. Not, yes, exactly. You know, not united. Um, the, the qualifying campaign before Euro 2004, the team was in a shambles. So I just thought it was just an amazing story of how this German coach, Otto Rehagel, comes in, brings this group of players together who were very talented. It was just that they were suffering from the issues that played Greek football at the time, you know, yeah. um, which was a lot of animosity between the top clubs. And there was not much focus ever on really putting the national team together and, you know, doing something you know, potentially great. And I think that's exactly what happened. You know, Rahagil was the guy that, that was able to do that and the players responded in kind. Yeah. And I just thought it was this magical underdog story that just kind of got swept under the rug by, yeah. by so many. And I wanted to tell it, and I wanted to tell it in, in English because I just thought that it deserved to be told. You know, we're Absolutely. proud people, we have a proud history and we've, um, you know, we have a proud sporting history as well. Um, mm -hmm. In football, we've not always been so successful um at the team level but you know um there's been good stories over time and this story i think is obviously it, it ranks right up there with any sporting story that i've ever heard i might be a little biased on that but i think it's just so so amazing to see a team that was so just a shambles really you know yeah. um and in a span of two and a half years to come together to, to do this it was just just amazing well, two things for you. One, uh, the, you know, the, the Theos and Theas that I have here, they would always talk about the teams of the 70s and the 80s and how there were still so many teams that probably had more talent uh, pound for pound than uh, the 2014, but because of these kind of systemic problems and, you know, tribal psychology amongst the clubs and, you know, this and that, uh, it never amounted. And then it's kind of weird that this amalgamation of, you know, like you said, ragtag players kind of come into the fold with a German coach and are able to do it. I mean, the amount of firsts that happened, that happened in that tournament, whether it's the first not coach of not the same country to win a cup, to right. the first silver gold, the first yes. team to have three clean sheets on the way to a final, it, it goes on and on and on. And this is a team that had never won a game in a, in a major tournament finals before the 2004 finals. So yeah. it, is, it really is a, a truly remarkable story. I, I have one nugget here for you. Um, because of the coronavirus, UEFA and FIFA have been throw, playing a lot of throwback uh, games. Yeah. And so I watched UEFA TV's rerun of the 2004 final. It was, it was a rushed version, didn't have like crowd shots. So as a, you're more of a journalistic guy, you're more of a student of the game. I'm, a, you know, I'm more of like a meatball fan. I like the crowd <laughs> shots. I like, um, you know, what's the banter in the stands? What's, you know, what's right, the atmosphere? Right. What's the oh, culture of the world at the time? So Martin Tyler was commentating this version of the final and he had a pretty interesting quote. 19 minutes in after um, Karisteos gets played a ball into the box. I think it was an overtop ball from, 
I want to say Basim Mas. Yes, I think so, yeah. So Martin Tyler goes, he, I, I'm not going to use a British accent. I, I, I was very tempted to, I'll just read it off. He goes, look at the numbers that Greece have got forward. Certainly nothing you call cautious or defensive there. If that's the label uh, that's been pinned on Greece and in certain, it has in certain quarters, I think it's distinctly unfair. This is the 19th minute of Euro 2004 final. Right, so right. Even, even at the time, you know, commentators that were a little bit less biased were saying it. But, I mean, I think you just said it best. As, as they got closer to potentially winning the cup, it seemed as though the narrative did change from the journalistic, you know, works that I've read and stuff. And it just goes to show how jealousy can creep in where, you know, other nations that felt they were more entitled to the spot, they, who have a stronger, you know, media voice will sometimes perpetuate that narrative. Um, before we continue, I, I just want to say it's not just that Greece were playing in this robust defensive style. I remember growing up in, in the fields of, of America where obviously like I would, in order to watch a Greece game, even up until 2015, you'd have to go to like some janky Russian website yeah, and get yeah. a, a wealth of viruses that brings your computer to its <laughs> knees to watch a game. So the fact that I'm growing up as a kid in the, in the United States and kids on the field are like, oh, Greece are, are, are dog, dog poo. Oh, they didn't say that. They said other stuff. We'll yeah, keep it yeah, PG. Yeah. We'll keep it PG. Oh, no, I know. I've, but I've heard of that. Greece are this, Greece are that. It's like, Malaka, you haven't even watched the game. Like, how do you, yeah. how do you know that, how they play? How do you know this? And it comes from that, so that narrative, yeah. that stereotype. It's like you have, your, you have your mindset on what this team is about, and you mm -hmm. don't even, you've never even watched the game. That comes from somewhere. So I think that's so important to, to, to bring about and how stereotypes um, kind of gets thrown because I, I take it personally. I'm a passionate guy. You yeah. don't start oh, super no, no. Greek if you don't have a chip on your shoulder, Georgie. <laughs> so it, it's crazy because it's, it's, it's so prevalent where it's like it, you take it personally because it is such a beautiful story that almost it's like becomes the redheaded stepchild of the football world where it should be celebrated. You know, yeah, of course. And I, and I think the thing is that, I mean, uh, it's just, it's something that gets perpetuated when it's not necessarily the truth is what bothers yeah. me. It's like, okay, yeah. they, they, there was definitely times, last 20 minutes of, the, of some of these matches, it's, it's back to the wall defending. But who but does how it? many who times does do we, it? yes, yeah. we watch so many, we watch Champions League, we watch World Cup matches, we watch Euros, whatever. We see this every time, you know, a team is holding yeah. on to that one nil lead yeah. and they're going to do whatever they can. And, and naturally you come back a little bit, you know? Yeah. So, but you know, to, 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 to kind of, take those moments and, and try to extrapolate it across the entire, you know, tournament for Greece, completely unfair. Watch the opener against Portugal. Yeah. I mean, you will see Greece has literally played them off the park in large portions of that match. This was the two teams that were just on completely different levels on that day. You know, yeah. I mean, Portugal grew in that tournament and they yeah. got stronger and stronger as the games um, progressed. However, during that first match, Greece were all over them. The energy, yeah. the dynamic play, getting forward quickly, it was no contest, you know. And Pakis Fisas um, likened it to um, Atletico Madrid with, yes. with their style. And, and yes. I think that's a fair comparison. I think and it gets so. results. And it's not just a, a Bush League, you know, ragtag Sunday League style. It's, right. it is, it's, it's effective. It works. And uh, I think furthermore, if you, if you liken yourself to be, you know, a student of the game or you want to get into coaching, and if you're a young, uh, you know, guy that wants to break into this, this field, I think the 04 team is a great case study for, for everything that in terms of doing more with less. Uh, there's, they, they showed you there's a million ways to win a football game and yes. it, mentality and team unity and learning how to occupy space and angles. And, and Alexis, Alexis Lala says, 
this phrase, which I don't really, I mean, I don't have a problem with him, but some people do, but it's bend, but don't break that style, which takes yeah. so much nerve and steel and mental fortitude that yeah. it's, it's something you just can't teach. And if you do teach it, it takes years to develop for a lot of these players. Oh, yeah. So uh, if you're, if you want to learn about the game and learn about, uh, you know, how to win when your back's against the wall, when the odds aren't in your favor, they, they uh, Greece 2004 is a case study for you, my friend. Because it really isn't, it's not packing 10 men behind the ball. Sure, at times it happened when you're, again, defending a lead. But right. uh, there's, there's so many, you know, tactical brilliances to that run that, again, get kind of swept under the rug. I'm getting passionate. I'm sorry, Georgie. Um, <laughs> so, okay, that, let's, uh, let's get back to the book for a little bit before we kind of keep going with kind of the tournament. We, we can even walk our way through. We'll, we'll see where this river takes us. Um, so you, the interview process, you, you spoke, you know, with, oh, I'm assuming over the phone with a lot of these players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, what was that like with, you know, talking to these legends, uh, like as if it's nothing, the accessibility must be off the charts in terms of. Yeah, no, you know, it was, uh, it was amazing, you know, and, and the whole time I'm trying not to stutter and, you know, <laughs> have my voice break because these are guys that I grew up like idolizing. Um, so, um, but yeah, it was amazing. Um, all the players I spoke with were just, you know, Give so, us a list. so nice and so good. They were, you know, open, um, plenty of information, you know, yeah. I'd ask them, just give me 10, 15 minutes, you know, we'd be talking for 35 or 40. I mean, I they were it. just, you know, they, they were, they were great guys. Um, it probably didn't help my case that I was again, kind of unknown and writing to some of these people. And it's like, yeah. who is this guy trying <laughs> to get, you know, information, but uh, I got a really good response good. and it was just, it was a real joy to speak with them and just to hear, you know, these firsthand accounts. I mean, at one point, listening to Katsuranis talk about what it was like in the bus on the way to the final, you know, it was just, you know, literally like, you know, I don't have any hair on my head, but the <laughs> one on my arms was like, just like all, all up all over the place. It was just amazing stuff for me to, to yeah. listen to that. And um, yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. So give us the quick kind of list of guys that you had the chance of speaking with. You don't, you don't have to go so, into huge depth, just, you know, just names. Yeah, yeah. So um, I had pretty long interviews, um, you know, extensive ones with Stelios Yanakopoulos, uh, Yorgos Karagounis. Um, my favorite. I have five of his jerseys. My who favorite. doesn't love Kara, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, who else? Uh, Kostas Katsouranis uh, was great. Spoke to me for a long time. Fanis Katergenakis, who was, you know, a backup or third string the keeper. Third string keeper, he, yeah, yeah. He yeah. gave me some of the best information that, you know, let it was me just stop amazing. You, let me to stop have you right there. Point. When it comes to cup runs, I always am, if I were to kind of look up the like, kind of interviews and whatnot, I'm always looking for the ones where it's guys that weren't on the field. Yes. It's guys that were, had the inside scoop and just observed. Those are yes. the best. So I'm, I'm, well, I'm not surprised by that at all. Yeah. And uh, Nikos the business who I talked with. Yep. And he was so interesting because he was such an integral part of that team in the 10 years leading up to that tournament. And then injury um, robbed him of a chance really to be on the field during that tournament. He, yeah. He, he recovered slightly right before the tournament started, but he was not able to play in the first match. Rahigel had no choice then to play Veles and Capsis, yeah. and their performances kept them in the team the entire game, yeah. and he never made the field. Yeah. But the way he spoke and the emotion that he still had, even though he wasn't able to be on the field, it was just, it was just amazing to listen yeah. to somebody that had lost that opportunity. But at the same time, he, I, I remember one line he said was that, he's like, when you look across the bench, and you see all of you just hanging on for dear life on every single play, you know that that's a team, you know, you know that everybody yeah. is playing for each other. And I think that kind of encapsulated for me what this whole team was about, you know, yeah. I mean, these guys, 
that no one person was bigger than the other, you know. Um, and there was some great players. I, I called them ragtag before, and I didn't mean necessarily to say that they were low in quality. I just meant that they were kind of like not, not a united side. Yeah. There was guys, you know, that had achieved a lot. They were playing yeah. in Europe. Of course. Um, you know, the, the, half this team had had experience in Europe, which was a, a real change from Greek sides of the past. Yeah. But, um, yeah, to listen to somebody like the business talk about that was just – it was eye-opening for me because we do talk about this team being united, and we think about it sometimes maybe just on the pitch, you know, working for each other. But it was everywhere, you know. It was off the field. I mean, these guys just got along. They were family. You know, I think I use the word family uh, so often. And, and you talked about coaching before. I've done some coaching at the high school level and at the youth level. And, yeah, I draw so much um, – inspiration from this side because you have to be a family if you want to find success especially when like you said you're a team that maybe doesn't have as much talent as other sides you know and I think Rahagil as well saw that he knew that yeah. okay we're not going to compete with Spain with France with um they played the Netherlands a month before the tournament started and lost 4-0 yep um, he made a lot of changes to the side and they were not as focused defensively as they needed to be yep. and that's what would happen you know so um so he, he saw what he had, and he knew that he had to play a certain way. Another uh, – somebody else I interviewed was Yanis Topolidis, the assistant coach, who was, yep. a, was a huge part of this side. Yeah. Um, a, a really close um, – he became a really close friend with Rahagil, but a really just a great worker. He was able to – he was basically a translator as well, and he used to translate things to them um, in more of a Greek way than Rahagil would say. And, and the players <laughs> like that, and he was always talking about how, you know, um, th that made an impact, and, and it certainly did. And he was just, he'd say, like, we were pragmatists, you know. Yeah. We, we saw what we had, and we tried to figure out in what ways could we beat this side and this side with, yeah. with the players we had, with the different combinations, with the slight tactical tweaks. Mm. And, um, you know, yeah, but, yeah, like, I went off a little bit. but No, um, no, no problem. But these, these interviews were just absolutely amazing just to see, you know, what went into to really this yeah. story, and, and, and it was amazing, yeah. Two questions for you. One, what was your favorite interview if you had to choose one? And if you have any more nuggets of, you know, things that you had no idea had happened uh, while you were watching as a fan in 04 that you learned through this process, uh, yeah, feel free course. to share a couple more nuggets. Obviously, we don't want to give sure. away the whole book. Oh, no. But, uh, you know, definitely share. I, I still got, look at here, buddy. I got <laughs> goosebumps still from, from uh, you know, what you, kind of the, the back behind the scene uh, kind of talk that you kind of just showed us. Yeah, um, so... Stelios Yanakopoulos was one of the first interviews I did, and I think that remains probably my favorite. I mean, he was – I was nervous. I don't know if he picked up on it or not. It was kind of like the line was breaking up a little bit here and there. But, I mean, he just kept on saying, like, uh, you know, he, was just, he made me <laughs> so feel so chill. comfortable. Um, but, you know, some of his insight – I mean, we talked a lot about the qualification process as well, not just the tournament itself. And, you know, to hear somebody speak about the step-by-step process that went into building this side you know it was just you know you were just it was just a bit of sporting history that was being relayed to you by somebody that lived through it and it yeah. was just amazing so yeah. um, you know that that was probably my favorite interview uh, of them all Fanis Katerianakis is probably the nicest man in the world I mean he like would apologize if uh, he was getting things <laughs> to me late or whatnot I mean he was just I'm like what please um so um, humble team as well humble things. team as well yeah yeah definitely so. um they, they were all like unbelievable people to talk to but those two i think stood out for me as as some of the best awesome so um, uh oh go ahead go ahead 
Yeah, no, and as far as nuggets go, I mean, there's a few. Um, one was this crazy story, um, and some people might know this. I, it, it has been um, in the media in Greece a little bit. It's been talked about on a couple television shows from the from the main protagonists. But um, so Demi Nikolaidis had a um, pretty bad like back problem, yeah. and he was he was having real trouble getting through um, some of the training camp before the tournament started. So Rahagel gives them a day off um, during the during the training, and he and uh, Kostas Katsouranis, who were, were quite close, decide um, to take a trip to Germany. It was about, about two and a half to three hours away, I think, to go see a specialist. Um, this is during when they were in Portugal. This is during their training camp. Yeah, yeah. this is just on the eve of Euro 2004, probably about 10 days before the tournament starts. Um, so they go to see this um, specialist, somebody, um, I believe, I'll have to go back and check my notes, but he had worked with the um, German Olympic teams and... Um, yeah, so he was an expert in that area, yeah. and um, so Nicolaitis had called his physio, and he had uh, referred him to, to this guy in Germany, so they were about two and a half hours from this place, um, and they drove that night without anybody knowing um, to go see this guy, so he ends up giving him um, quite a few shots, um, some injections into his back, and um, so, and then they get lost on the way home. They end up getting pulled over by border patrol. <laughs> um, they have no papers with them or anything. Yeah. <laughs> They're having to call the hotel um, back in Switzerland to, to verify who they are. They eventually get let go. And Katsuranis then talks about how they get back to the hotel and Rahagel is literally in the lobby at like midnight. They had a curfew or whatever that they were well past by this point. Um, and they had to basically sneak in without him knowing. And he was... <laughs> He was unaware of anything that happened, I guess, until well after the tournament. So, um, so that was an unbelievable, just cool story to hear, you know, yeah. about something that I couldn't even visualize anything like that happening now with all the rules and things that are in place. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, uh, the craziest part is these these police officers at the border are like, who are you guys? It's like the guy's about to win Euro 2004. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, that uh, and yeah, really eye opening for me. I was like, oh my god, this is just the craziest, most bizarre uh, story. But yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. So let's uh, let's transition a little bit uh, from away from the journalist again for now, at least. You know, let's go back to kind of 2004. A fan of it, you know, of of everything that's kind of transpiring. Uh, who is your favorite player? And then uh, who is the unsung hero? So favorite player and unsung hero from uh, kind of this run. So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable by saying I'm 40 years old. So I was about 25 <laughs> when the tournament went on. I look older than, uh, than I am, I guess. Um, no, no, no. But um, yeah. Um, so during that tournament, I was actually, um, the, I was the unsung, the unsung player, I'd say, because I loved all these guys. Yeah. But the unsung player, uh, I'll start with unsung, I guess. Um, was probably there's probably two of them. The business who I talked about, yep. who was a, was a really big name, um, but the fact that he was so willing to take the role that he was kind of yep. thrust into of being on the substitute bench, about not being able to make the field, you know, to me those types of things are so important to keep that unity Makes or together. Breaks the tournament. Yeah, makes yeah. or breaks the tournament. You have exactly. a big name like that that you know is making creating a fuss. Why am I not in? Yada yada yada. Absolutely. You know, next We've seen so many examples in the past of yeah. teams falling apart, you know, um, situations like that. 
um, a player gets upset, they start, you know, making it public, whatnot. And they had their problems too. Uh, ESPN actually has put out a couple good articles where there were some issues about playing time that had kind of started to bubble over. And um, right. maybe right. this was talked about in your in the interview process. Yeah, we talked about but, a little bit. And even before the tournament started, there was a huge problem with Ike uh, players. So yeah. um, there was two sides of some huge problems that were going on with Ike. They kind mm. of pitted Chartas against Nikolaidis. Um, yeah. And that was a big, big issue going into the tournament. Uh, but um, essentially, both players had to be um, talked to before the tournament started because there was a real worry that they were going to carry over. I mean, this was public. Uh, there was quotes in the press from from Chartas, um, you know, just um, kind of talking about how he wouldn't know how he would be able to play in this tournament, uh, you know, if Nicolaitis was on the team. There, there was big problems there. Um, you know, and again, we saw, we see the club issues creep into the national team, yeah. you know, once again. However, this time there was such a good structure around the team. There was, there was all the right vibes from everybody else that it kind of just squashed it. And Chartas, to his credit, did not make it an issue. And the same with Nicolaitis. They, yeah. they were together and there's, there's a point in the book where I talk about how, like, Chartas ends up talking to him when they're both um, warming up at one yeah. point. Um, and it kind of just breaks the ice and it just shows that they were not willing to put whatever issue they had between them um, above the team. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but back to DeBezis, I think the role he played just absolutely like unbelievable that he would just take that on. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, this was a Premier League defender, yeah. probably one of the biggest names in the squad. Yeah. Um, the other unsung hero, I think that probably doesn't get enough credit. Um, is Michalis Kapsis, um, the center back next to uh, Great choice. Delas. Just, I mean, this guy is as humble as they come anyway from all of the research and all of the people I've talked to. And I mean, he plays like that, but he's just a fierce warrior. And yeah. you see him battling, you know, six foot seven Jan Kohler in the, in the semifinal and winning headers. It's just, I mean, it's just so inspiring to, I'll watch that over and over again. It's yeah. just like, how, how does he get to that ball, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, he's not, not going to be the guy that's sitting there, um, you know, with a big team talk or anything like that. He's, you know, but he was, he was huge in that tournament. And for me, he was, he was probably on the pitch, the biggest unsung hero. Absolutely. As far as, as far as my favorite player goes, again, I think I'll have to go back to Yanakopoulos. Um, he was so dynamic. And I think in so many games that he came on as a sub, he just changed the match. Um, and he did, and he, and he scored a crucial goal in qualifying against Spain yep. away, which really kind of kick-started the whole campaign again after opening it up with two losses. They won two right after, but that game against Spain, if they had lost, we might not be talking right now. Yeah. Um, so, um, and in this, in the, in the semifinal um, against the Czech Republic, he had been injured. He came back again. He just gave them this energy, you know. And in the final, this is one of my favorite moments of the tournament, um, and it happens just before Haristea's goal. So I think it's something that, you know, I, I didn't remember until butterfly I effect. Butterfly but, effect. So Portugal had this defender called Manish who was yep. scoring crazy goals in that tournament from long range. Yep. And at one point, Greece lose possession and there was this like five or six minute spell where they're just giving Portugal the ball and it looks like it's just inevitable that Portugal will score. And Manish gets the ball from a mistake, dribbles a little bit, and is about to unleash. And if you watch Yanakopoulos in, in right before, he comes in and just blocks from out of nowhere. Greece go up the field, 
um, we win a corner and then history happens, you know, yeah. but without that play, without Yanakopoulos just kind of buzzing around, always kind of, you know, he, he had skill for sure. I mean, it was, yeah, it was of course, play, but he, he just was constantly busy, you know, constantly yeah. busy, constantly trying to make something, trying to create something that, you know, and, and this happened to be on the defensive end, which wasn't his forte, but again, you know, you just, you, you knew with him and the team that there was, something was going to be happening. Rarely would he be invisible for 90 minutes, you know? So. Yeah, 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 for yeah, sure. And that's such, a, that's such good insight that even, you know, someone that, you know, I, I like myself as like a pretty astute fan. It, it just, I love, I love kind of little nuggets like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome. Uh, more, more or less as a fan, as this kind of tournament happens, where were you even watching? Were you in Greece? Were you in the U.S.? I know a lot of people were in Greece when this happened. Some even went to Portugal. What, what was kind of your setup as this kind of, you know, fairy tale unfolded? Yeah, so we have a family restaurant, and I was we were busy <laughs> at that time period yeah. here in the States. And it's still, like, my biggest regret that I did not make it to Portugal. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm so jealous when people are like, oh, yeah, I was there and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, my God, what, what that must have felt like. Yeah. Um, but I will say that even here, even in our little corner of the world, I mean, it was just just such a fantastic period of life. I mean, it was- Brilliant, it really um, was brilliant. Uh, yeah, and um, so I was actually writing for um, ESPN Soccernet at the time, it was yeah. called, and I was the fan correspondent for Greece. And um, I might've been the only person that applied, I'm probably, but <laughs> and um, so as I was writing in the early stage of the tournament, very little feedback from people. I mean, it's Greece, they're gonna go out early and, and whatever. Yeah. Um, but I tell you, like, as, as, as time went on, you know, emails were coming in like crazy. And it was just, it was like the, the, the energy surrounding this team just spread everywhere. It spread to, to, to me, to my family. You know, I remember watching the, the final with my grandparents and we just had a huge crowd of people and they had never watched a soccer game in their life, you know? Yeah. And, and they are literally jumping up in the air. I'll never forget my grandmother. You literally got air as, as, <laughs> as I mean, the house was shaking and it, you yeah. know, after the game, uh, my girlfriend who then later became my wife, um, you know, we're, we're driving through, I, I live in a, like a rural area. So yeah. we're driving with the Greek flag, you know, like <laughs> through all these little back roads, we get to like this kind of medium sized you know, city and people are like, what, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I mean, was, we, we created our own magic, even though of we were in the central locations where people are celebrating, but I mean, watching the images on TV that night and the next day from Greece was just, I mean, it was just awe-inspiring. I, you know, yeah. I never thought I would live through something like that, you know, supporting Greece, um, being Greek, you know, on a soccer level. It just, you, you, you couldn't see it happening, really. It, it, how, how lucky is it that, you know, of all, like, every minnow team under the sun would dream of, of something, of just winning a cup. Like, yes. they don't care if they win on four penalties in a row to get to it. We, and the way Greece did it, where it was, it wasn't just, you know, Joe Schmo or, like, teams going through a trans awkward transitional period. Yeah, These were golden generations that yeah. it was the favorites, it was the hosts, it was – all I mean, if you list out the names of the of the players that that Greece oh, took down to get there, it is it. it even uh, I was reading an interview a while back with um, Takis Fisas, who was talking about it. And even the, the journalist was like, even Takis could show like the emotion coming out with just how uh, like in sh shock he still was sixteen years on that. You know, I mean, the France squad, the the Spain squad of Raúl, like oh yeah, you know, it, it's. 
just world-class players that are going to go down in history. Yeah. You know? We're talking about Raul, we're talking about Zidane, Henri. Um, you know, you look at the Czech Republic who probably had their greatest side ever. You know, yeah. Nedved was was in the form of his life yeah. um, and, and a supporting cast like no other, really. They were playing such amazing football at that tournament. You look at the Portugal side, which, again, Ronaldo just coming in. You've got Deco in the prime of his career, probably. Yeah. You know, in that two, he had just come off of winning um, the Champions League in 04 with Porto. With Porto, yeah. And, um, you know, Figo still there. And just the, you, you look at the squads and you're just like. Complete, complete it. teams eager for a cup. Yes. Uh, would you, the, my next question would be, would you change anything about it? If you, would you have anything differently? Because I know I would, but from my revisionist brain, I would. But if you, if you have one yourself, uh, let me know. See, the game against the Russia in the group stage was a little yeah, anticlimactic. <laughs> um, you know, you, you go through with a defeat. Um, uh, the title um, of that chapter in the book is called The Sweetest Defeat because I think <laughs> I cannot think of any other loss that I probably enjoyed more. But, I mean, they were – that was probably the one match in the tournament where Greece were just not up to par. You know, they did yeah. not come out with a right mindset. They did not – they were not doing the things on the pitch that they should have been doing. A perfect uh, wake-up call. Yeah, absolutely. And they, we, as someone like you and I know, who you know, watch our lo beloved Ethniki, they'll they'll need a kick in the pants from time to time, and they got one, and they they yeah. snapped right out of it and got going. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, you know, but fun. even that match, I guess, like you said, you know, they've le they learn from it and they go on. You know, they're like okay, unnecessary. That's not happen again. And they, you know, we're playing France next, um, so you know. Um, you, you can't come out like that against France or else you, you know, you, you're not obviously going to even come close to winning that match. So if anything, I would have changed that. But for me, I mean, I, I lived through a sporting miracle watching that, like millions of other Greeks. And, yeah. you know, to be able to, to write something about it for me is just, it, it's a dream come true. For so sure. I, for I, I sure. wouldn't change too much about it. The, I guess the one thing on my end that I would change going back now would be we beat some of the most like likable teams and nicest fan bases. <laughs> Give me Turkey, Germany, That's England. True. Let's. I yeah. want bodies hitting the floor. Oh, That's one thing I would change. But honestly, again, obviously I wouldn't change anything. But if that was one thing, because for me it's yeah. already such like a absurdity that has come to life. I might as well tweak it just a little bit more. But, and and uh, like, like watching that Czech Republic side. I mean, anybody that loves the game of soccer, um, you know, watching that, watching them through the tournament was just a pure joy. You know, yeah. they were just so fluid. They were just so well balanced, um, you know, and it, to see a team like that go out um, was, was, I guess, in, you know, some very, very small way disappointing, but, um, you know, yeah, I mean, they, you're right. There were, there were some likable sides that, that had to go and, Unfortunately, you know, that hadn't happened for us to win it. Twist my arm. Twist yeah. my arm. But I, what I will say is if there is one game where uh, we, we've been out here puffing our chests, like, no, Greece deserve this, like, yada, yada, yada. If there's one game where Greeks are like, <laughs> like we're lucky oh. to win that one, especially with Nedved going down earlier well, on in that game yeah, and whatnot. You know, they were, were very lucky not to concede early. And a couple of times in the second half, they are just chances that are literally, you know, you, you feel like I think it was um, – uh, Barosh at one point, I think Jan Kohler as well. Yeah. Two chances that literally the same, uh, almost looked like just uh, a repeat of the same play. A shot from about, you know, 12, 14 yards out that just goes wide. I mean, you're literally, you're talking about inches. You're like, how yeah. is that missing? You know? Yeah. Um, it's fate. Yeah, it were, felt like fate. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. But even then, you know, I will say that, you know, and, and, and you know, the, the checks were amazing that night too, and probably unlucky not to score, but once extra time came, 
we just again became a different side. We yeah. we just we went up another level. Yeah. And again, I think they were scrambling a bit too. It wasn't just the goal we scored. We put them under pressure through that first 15 minutes yeah. and had chances. So um, you know, this, like you used Ben not break before. It really perfectly talks yeah. to this team. You know, they there were times where you're like, are they gonna are they gonna give it up now? You know, and what's gonna happen after that? But they they just wouldn't. They they literally fought and scrapped for every square inch. Yeah. You know, and, and it worked out for them. And you know, we watched so many tournaments, and I don't think Greece was necessarily like a hugely lucky team, but they had their moments in this tournament where they were lucky. Every team needs it. Every yes. team needs that one stroke of luck. You know, here or there to kind of push you over the edge. Every every team that has won a cup. Their, their star players Without will be the first to say we we were fortunate on this moment because yeah. it just happens. There's so many minutes, every so many hours of gameplay. It's gonna it's gonna happen. Yeah, in the group stage match against Russia, I think it was like 86th minute. There's a cross that comes through right across the face of goal, and Kirichenko, the Russian player. I mean, it's like literally this much yeah. where he fails yeah. to connect. We lose three one, we go out. You know, so um, yeah, you know, the, there's those moments in tournaments that happen. But if I, I, I'm convinced bar maybe a couple teams that have just steamrolled through tournaments that you'll find these everywhere, you know, if you look yeah. hard enough and, um, you know, you got to ride your luck a little bit, but for again, sure. um, I think that was just, it was just a small part of that tournament. Back to what we were kind of talking about earlier in terms of, you know, Greece being a good case study and showing how there's a million ways to win. Uh, I remember UEFA TV also had a nice little 40 minute documentary on the tournament. You should, I definitely recommend watching it. Yeah. Um, the the Czech players, I think it was Paborski and a couple others were, were talking about that game, the, the semifinal game against Greece. And, and they even said after the 60, 70th minute, uh, even they were, the, the doubt was starting to creep in and they, they were terrified. They, they even admitted it. And that's, that just goes to show how much the, the, the mental approach and mental fortitude and sports psychology becomes a factor. And Greece were mental giants, mental giants every step of the way. So yes. it, it, there's, again, if you have like a piece of a pie, like a, a pie chart, so to speak, mm -hmm. that kind of divvies up what it takes to win a football game. Greece was like heart, like, you know, like 60% heart, passion, 30% skill. And, you know, yes. some teams have 90% skill and talent doing, a, doing right, the job. Right. But all that matters is you get over the edge with what you got. And again, it, the rest is history, as we say. I, I agree. I agree 100% with that. And I think the match you talked about, the Czech Republic and the one against France right before it, I mean, it's almost as if you could see these sides be like, okay, we're going to throw this at them. We're going to throw that yeah. at them. And as time goes on, it's like, what's going on? The body language of the French players in the last 20 minutes, where Greece was put under pressure, for sure. But the body language, you can almost see that yeah. they didn't even believe that they could score against this team. I mean, yeah. it was that. You, you look at them, they're like incredulous sometimes, just looking at each other like, what's what's happening? The, the belief just seems to be seeping away. Yeah. I think – um the check like i said those couple chances before after they missed those you know in the second half wore on it's almost like what what does it take to score against these guys you yeah. know and um and and you know and you're, and you're right i mean there is no substitute sometimes for passion there's no substitute yeah. for i'm going to chase down this ball that i have no business getting to um but i'm going to get a piece of it to deflect it out for a corner yeah. and getting you know the ball played into the box or whatever i mean and then they did all that. So many little plays. Yeah, the street savviness, to, to street savviness off the charts. Street yeah. savviness off the and, charts. And you know, Rahagil is deserves credit for that as well. I mean, this was a guy that spent most of his career taking unfancied sides yeah. to glory. You know, yeah. um, 
either in the beginning of his career, he was kind of like, um, we call him a, he was called a firefighter. Um, I talk a, lot, a little bit about that in the book in that he, take, he took teams that were in huge trouble down at the bottom of the table mm-hmm. and he'd be with them for, you know, a few weeks, sometimes at the end of a season or a few months. And he just had this knack of always seeming to be, to be able to, to, to keep them safe. Um, so he had experience kind of putting together sides that, you know, um, that did just did not gel, you know, yeah. and he, he, he would be able to create that atmosphere where one guy would work for the other, you know, yeah. he didn't like star names and that helped a team like Greece, you know, it was, it was a perfect fit. Yeah, uh, obviously with Zikos and Yorgiatos not being uh, kind of put in the squad, these star players that have, you know, European finals caliber, uh, you know, accolades to their career, it's, it definitely shows. To go back just briefly, um, I think another reason why potentially Greece could have this kind of, you know, black sheep kind of, uh, you know, aura about them in the footballing world is because that style is it, the defensive style where you talked about with France and I talked about the Czech Republic. It's, it is demoralizing. It is stifling. It's a style that chokes the life out of a game. And if you are someone that's on the other side, it's chasing a goal and you just feel like this demoralizing in, uh, deflation of, of a team that is just kind of, you know, slowly just kind of choking the life out of you for lack of a better, you know, um, description. And I think that ups the ante in terms of what, how people receive the style. It is so frustrating to play against. As footballers in our own careers, we've all faced situations like that where we're chasing a goal and we just can't score. And you just want to like, you just hate the other team. And I think it's just, Greece kind of brought out that gremlin in in a lot of the players as well, which is a factor that maybe doesn't get talked about. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And but the thing is, you know, the thing I'm proud of too is being Greek is that they did it in the right way. Yeah. There was nothing dirty. There was not this kind of, you know, like we're gonna hack anything that moves, you know. Yeah. Of course, yeah. you know, they committed fouls and whatever, but the disciplinary record throughout most of the tournament was pretty good. Yep. And um, you know, they they didn't receive like these cheap penalties or anything like that that, you know, you're like, oh my yeah. god, they're masters of the dark arts or you know, <laughs> or stuff like that. You know, this was a team playing to its abilities, you know, a yeah. team doing what they could do to try to win soccer matches, you know, so. Well, that's the other um, thing. Uh, it, it really comes down to the fact that, it, that Ray Hoggle took a team where it's like, this, these are our assets. Let's put it up against the other team's liabilities. A little accounting terminology for you. And yeah. I mean, where did we have our monopolies? We were a physically gifted team. Every tournament we've been in, we've been elite in the air, winning aerial balls, aerial duels. Uh, yeah. On the ground too, we make tough tackles. We're, we're, it's an athletic group. It's definitely more, which doesn't play to our, our trying to crawl out of this cave of a narrative where we're this, you know, regal, you know, rugged caveman style. But we had, those, that's where our, our, you know, our stronghold lies was we, we were a physically gifted team as well. Yes. And yeah. uh, I mean, that's not to mention, I mean, you could look at, you know, Zagorakis' assist and Haristes' goal versus France. I mean, that's as classy oh, yeah. as it comes. And that's my favorite yes. moment of the tournament, uh, yeah, going no, looking I- back. I make a point in the book, if that was a Brazilian doing that, we would have had that, that would have, you know, it was a little bit before the viral time period, but that yeah. would, that would be replayed over and over and over again, you know, I mean, there was just uh, such skill and such, yeah. such kind of creativity at that point, um, 
you know, if it was Messi or Ronaldo, it would still oh. all the they love to, you know, they love to show Beckham's free kick against Greece in 2002. Yes, exactly. What a, you know, a classic moment. Yeah, yeah. this would be <laughs> this would be one of those that gets put on the highlight reel every time. Oh, if yeah, it, was yeah. Any it would other be player, part of the intro team. of any big like yeah. you know football show. I mean, it would be you know that, that it would, would be there. I mean, he he sends Lizarazu for a hot dog. I mean, he, he literally <laughs> ends up somewhere like in the stands. It, it looks like. I mean, he's. Yeah, I, I might I might edit in that goal when I do the editing here just cuz I mean yeah, it is, no, you got to put it in you got to put it in It's that special it's that special it and then I mean Caristeas with a bullet of a header I mean oh. no one stopped and I would I would voluntarily take my arm away I'm going to yeah, break a finger I'm a fragile man I want to get in front so, of that <laughs> <laughs> So but uh unbelievable times uh, I guess moving on uh what would you kind of we kind of talked about it a little bit where more or less from either a cultural sense or a football sense, what it is kind of the lasting legacy that you would want. We, we know how the rest of the world kind of views it, but what's the legacy that you would want from, from this team? A couple things. One is certainly, you know, you create uh, a very tough united side that, you know, it becomes a family guys that really like to be with each other. Um, you know, people that really want to spend time with each other off the pitch as well. It just bodes well for a side, you know, and and maybe you don't win every single tournament that you're in because of that. But I think that you will be more successful than not than having the opposite. And, and we've seen so many talented teams over the years, you know, hyped up to go into a tournament. And with, with just the smallest thing that happens, they fall England. apart, you know. England. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, um, I it's just it always amazes me when i when i look back on some of these stories and see how close they were and from where that came from from a team that really didn't really like each other where there was clicks you know all the time during before matches between the different clubs and and how they came together it's like you said you've mentioned a couple times what a case study of a team that yeah. you know came from from virtually you know hating each other to, to wanting to do all they could for each other on and off the field to be successful. Yeah. Um, it was special. Um, the other thing I think is on a, on a more general level, it shows you what happens when Greeks are organized and united and are all kind of, you know, moving forward in the same direction, what they're capable of achieving. Yeah. Um, Greece is a small country, um, you know, but it's never ceased to amaze me um, all the achievements, sporting and otherwise, that um, they've been able to achieve. And this, I think, also um, lends itself to all the Greeks across the diaspora that, you know, um, and, and all the amazing things that they do and, and all the positions that they've found themselves in, and the businesses that they've started and, um, you know, what they've been able to achieve. It's, for me, always been a special thing. And I think this team encapsulates that. Uh, what, what can happen for Greeks, um, you know, when, when the infighting the and, aside, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, it's, and the politics it's, and things go out the window and they just work together. It's, it's you know, you it's, know it's, it might sound cheesy to some people, no, but no, no, no. for me, it's, it hits deep, you know, and, and I no. think it's, it's so important to see it like that. And, you know, I, I've got two kids of my own. And when we talk about this book, it's like, you know, we talk about the, the football aspects. I'll talk about oh, yeah. his goal or whatever, but for me, the lesson is, um, you know, kind of, when you put your mind to something and um, you know you you work hard for it and you have a plan and and you're you're gonna fight for it, um, you know you can do it and you know that Greek heart means a lot. You know that yeah. it, it 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 beats so hard and I feel as though we have so much potential as a people, both the ones in Greece and the ones outside, and um, 
this was a moment where that potential was was reached you know when we did something that nobody thought was possible but yeah. except for you know this small group of guys that that kind of grew into believing that they could do it so yeah. um, for me really. the, culturally i think you know that that's always been for me the biggest the biggest lesson from this team you know and i've used it like i said in my coaching i've used it just in my life in general it's like you know um and and i think we've used it before when we look at our parents who have immigrated from another country or grandparents and what they've been able to achieve you know we take those lessons we take lessons like this that a that a sports team gives us from from our country from our from our um you know from our parents land or our grandparents land and we use them in our lives going forward to try to you know do good and and be as, as good as we can be as, as Greeks and as people. Beautifully said, beautifully said. I couldn't agree more. It, it, it transcends, um, you know, sport. And that's sure. actually the reason why, you know, someone here in the United States, the major league soccer, the, the professional league here wasn't a thing until a year after I was born. It's yeah. very much uh, up and coming in, in, in its infancy, still even to this day, relatively yeah. the rest of the world. So mm-hmm. for me, my ticket into the soccer world was, was international football. And uh, I'm, I'm someone that was, uh, I was a classics minor in a, in a um, sociology and humanities minor at uh, Boston University. And the, the cultural parallels that you see from styles of play in international football and how they reflect, you know, um, you know entities within the nation at large and the culture at large from where they're coming from is really fascinating wow. to me. And even since antiquity, you can talk, you talk about Greeks you know, having more of a, an inward and regional bias and, and so many Athens versus Sparta versus Macedon in this infighting and looking at it back, it's like, guys, if you just banded together, you could have taken over the, the whole world, basically. But even, even it just, um, it really goes to show just um, exactly what you were saying, just the, the togetherness and with with the struggles that Greece has had, even even more recently, the last you know twenty years, last six hundred years, with with the Turks and the Germans and the civil war and everything in between, uh, the the struggle one makes us stronger, but two, it, it, the that's that cheat code and that that cultural kind of ability. If these individuals put their differences aside, it's, it really is they get to this level that not many people can dream of. It, it's yes. this cheat code that we have that I that yes. kind of really came about uh, beautifully on that summer in 2004. Mm-hmm. So it, it just really is something because a lot of times, I mean, even recently being a Greek kid growing up in the 2000s during the crisis and everything, everything people that, that aren't Greek hear about is the crisis and you know, the stereotypes that come from it. Can you, like, oh, you can't manage money, you can't govern yourself. Right. And, yes. and it, it's, it's, it's really disheartening because there's so many beautiful entities that one have come from the struggle of the last 600 years but two it's there's so, so many things to be proud of as well like like the euros like Eurobasket in 05 eurovision in 05 mm-hmm. um even the legacy that i think this year 2014 led was the, the extra decade of dominance not dominance but success that the football team uh for greece experienced afterwards they qualified for all but one tournament made mm-hmm. the knockout stages twice yeah uh, and they still didn't get the credit they deserved um and uh, it's funny because uh, I remember Karaguni was talking at the 2014 World Cup. Uh, he's, and this is when they were like 11th in the world at the time. They had only one loss in over two years under Santos, uh, Fernando yeah. Santos, the eventual Portuguese coach who won the Euro 2016. Mm-hmm. And, and he was, the journalists were asking, uh, they're like, Yorgo, um, you know, this people aren't giving you credit for like what's going on. Like you guys are getting results and you, you guys aren't getting credit. What's going on. He goes, don't care. Results speak for themselves and walked off. And it was just, that's what it was. Yeah. This, this yeah. stoic, laconic, 
Right. Uh, I don't like, I'm self-aware. I don't yep. give a damn. I'm going right. to do what I do. I'm not do, I'm going to do it better than you. And I'm going to be mentally tougher than you. And yep. there's, there's so much merit to that, that the, the big wigs of Western Europe will, will never right. want to give credit for Cause to be honest, they don't have the cheat code that we have. If we have yep. one thing that they don't, it's that. Uh, yeah, when, and so. when you are so resilient, you've talked about so many instances where Greeks have shown their resilience, you know, um, you don't, you don't need it. You know, you just yeah. don't, if you hear it, great. But if you don't, that's not what's bothering you. You're not out to, you know, to please people to, to, to get that, you know, okay. You know, you're playing great football, for instance, you know, yeah. it's nice to hear, but that's not what you're there for. You're there to find success. You're there to battle for something. And when yeah. you have that resilience, like you said, built into you, um, you know, that's what, that's what your answer is years going of to training. be. It's a question like that. You know, I don't, 600 years of training ready for that right. moment. That's and you right. could see that's it unfold. You could see it unfold. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. It really is. It really is something. I can't even, it, looking back now, it's probably a good thing that I wasn't there watching because I'm such a, I'm a yeller. You can see now I'm getting pumped up. I'm an energetic, like crazy passionate Whoa. fan. Uh, watching in, so for example, like 2014 World Cup, when we played, Greece like farted out a 0-0 draw with Japan. And for oh, me, yeah, that, that. that was like open heart surgery. I was living yes. and dying with every kid. Yes. I can't yes. imagine being in the 11th hour of the semifinals in Czech Republic. I would have died. I literally would have like died. <laughs> my soul would have left my body before Delas put that goal in. And I'd be watching <laughs> from the heavens be like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, whatever. But like, I, I, it's probably a good thing I wasn't there. But uh, I'll tell you, I mean, I... tell now. I'm like you. I'm very emotional during matches. I remember that Japan game uh, for sure. Um, but, you know, I, I think you would have made it through. I think would brought us all through it. So uh, For sure. Uh, I, as you know, we, we could talk about this for hours. Um, sure. we're, we are running a little long, so I do want to kind of wrap things up. But we will okay. definitely have you back on as, you know, Nations League and, uh, you know, qualifiers it, so. come back on. I think the coolest part about Super Greek is the fact that I feel so alone before, before I made the account, I felt so alone. Oh, it's been like, tremendous. Like every my, day you pass stuff up. I'm like, Hey oh, man, got to keep it lively. Got to keep it lively. Yeah, got to no, put up with it, show up with the squad. I appreciate that. And I love your work as well. No, so, uh, which is why I feel like this is a good, a good kind of combination people helping people Definitely. and um, together we'll grow and, and uh, it'll be a great journey. And I think great. We'll, we'll, we'll be at a tournament soon. We'll be at yes, a tournament soon. I think soon. so. I think so. I think. Uh, I, and when it does right happen, back. let me tell you, it, it's, I got tweets already saved, <laughs> ready to go. When Super Greek. We're going to, we're going to test your theory about whether you're going to be able to survive. These <laughs> I know you will be able to. You will be able to. As the book gets released, I'm going to keep uh, kind of, um, there'll be some more promotion codes and giveaways. I, I, I tweeted today about a giveaway as well. Um, so stay tuned all, for the followers. I, sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate that work yeah. and uh, helping spread the word about it. So it absolutely, always, always eager and ready to support Greek business and Greek endeavors. You know me, and uh, so we'll, we'll. This won't be the last time either, my friend. Okay. So let's um, let's kind of end it with that. Um, what is your Twitter handle so people can follow you too? You have some great opinions too on the on the forum. Yeah, so it's um, at G Titsonis, G T S I T S O N I S. Yep. It's been spelled pretty much every way imaginable. My <laughs> uh, just G and my last name. Yep. I love it. I love it. Well, George, thank you so much. Um, my pleasure. Again, not, thank not you. the last it's been, time. It's been a, it's been and, a pleasure um, and an honor to, to speak with you. I look forward to uh, the book un unveiling and see see how what uh, you know what the folks say. I'm I'm 
I'm more than confident it's going to be a great read. And I don't, I'm not much of a reader. So this will be, <laughs> since I graduated, I've been more online articles, but a full book back to back. I'm ready to, I'm ready to rock and roll, baby. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Good. Okay. Thank I you so you much. I hope you enjoy it. Okay. Cheers. Take care. Thank you very much.